0: Well, here we are, everybody, episode 82 of War Room the Hockey Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This week, we are going in-depth. It's as simple as that. We're going in-depth. Um, a number of things we're talking about this week uh, that we are going to take some time to uh, go in-depth with, and uh, we really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, we are back on Zoom, so it's not just me this week, so I'm sure that'll be pleasing to everybody's ears. Uh Back on Zoom with Brad, um, my dad, and uh, going in-depth on a number of topics, and including uh, broaching the subject of the upcoming expansion draft for Seattle, uh, which is coming this summer, and not just this summer, but it's coming very, very rapidly um, in the next couple of months so we uh we broach that subject as well as go in depth on a number of other things and um uh, we really enjoyed this one so episode 82 of warm the hockey podcast uh if you haven't already make sure you head to the necessary social media platforms instagram and facebook that's at warm the hockey podcast and warm the hockey podcast respectively make sure you like and follow us there engage with us um We'd love to hear from you, love to hear your stories, uh, whatever those stories are, heartwarming stories, um, stories of perseverance, development, all these things. We'd love to hear from you, engage with us, ask questions. Um, we'd love to answer any questions you have, um, and uh, we'd love to cover any topics and topic suggestions that you might have. So engage with us, reach out to us um, on all the social media platforms that we just listed. I say all, it's two, um, but reach out to us, engage with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Now, make sure you head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Apple Podcasts, as of this recording, was having some issues playing podcasts, uh, so Spotify has been the main one the past couple of days as um, iTunes and Apple figures out their, um, their issues, uh, technical issues with everything on the podcast platform uh, there. But nonetheless, Apple Podcasts and Spotify... Warm the Hockey Podcast on those two platforms. Make sure you subscribe and then you rate and review. Um, we'd love to love to get a rating and review from you. It'll help us grow and help us climb the charts. So subscribe, rate, and review. Episode eighty two of Warm the Hockey Podcast. We are going in depth this week on a number of topics, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Warm the Hockey Podcast, episode eighty two, in depth. Before we get into this week's episode we do want to we do want to touch on a few friends of the show as well as a, a few things that are going on with us. Uh, Ryan Walter is a great friend of the show. He's been on twice already. We look forward to having him on again here with us very very soon. Uh, Ryan, we hope and know you're listening. We look forward to having you on. Ryan Walter at ryanwalter.com. That's Ryan Walter. W-A-L-T-E-R.com, ryanwalter.com. He's a great friend of the show, uh, former NHL player, um, actor, author, um, leadership guru, and uh, he's got great insight, uh, great leadership tidbits, and uh, he truly is an inspiration to those around him, both in sport and in business. So Ryan ryanwalter, ryanwalter.com. Check him out, and you won't be disappointed. Breakaway Brewing in the Okanagan Valley, uh, Breakaway Brewing obviously uh, dealing with some of the restrictions that are going on in the world. Um, no matter your views on COVID and the restrictions, it is what it is. Um, but step in uh, downtown, oh, downtown Summerland, excuse me, in the Okanagan Valley um, and stop in. Buy yourself a growler. We have 64-ounce growlers and 32-ounce growlers. 32-ounce uh, growlers we call grunts. Uh, step in, purchase one of those, and f- and have it filled uh, with your choice of delicious, delicious craft beer and uh, order some tacos to take home with you as we are doing growler fills and takeout food at Breakaway Brewing in downtown Summerland. You will not be disappointed. Uh, some things going on with break with, um, War Room. Um... Some things up in the air, some things changing for, for all of us in life, as well as with the podcast. Uh, we are still working on getting to a point of video podcasts. Um, there's been some issues uh, with the com- completion and the construction of the new studio We are working on that. We are also um, working on some personal life changes that will affect things as well. Um, Once things kind of get smoothed out there, we will start bringing you the first video podcast of War Room the Hockey Podcast and uh, we will look to continue to do video podcasts along with the audio platform here um, moving forward after that. So look for that. A lot up in the air. Um, we're hyping it up a lot. Um, just know it is coming. Uh, just taking a little bit of time and we appreciate your support and your patience. War Room the Hockey Podcast It right now is located in the Okanagan Valley in Summerland um, and Penticton. Um home of the Penticton V's, um, the Okanagan Valley, home of the West Kelowna Warriors, the Vernon Vipers, as well as the Kelowna Rockets, BCHL, and the WHL. Um, Obviously, if you listen uh, to any of our developmental junior episodes this week included, as we go in depth, we will touch on um, junior hockey, development hockey, and everything going on there, as well as everything going on there in regards to the new covid world that we currently live in in sports so we're in the hockey podcast episode 82 going in depth thank you for your support your patience uh and continuing to tune in we thank you thank you and we can't do this without you we appreciate it episode 82 going in depth we the hockey podcast
1: well whoop de doo hey um Just announced uh, a couple days ago, the Memorial Cup has been canceled. Uh, So with the OHL not having played, the Q is doing its own internal kind of conference playoffs. Uh, And the WHL announced uh, just a few days ago that it is completing the regular season. And then that's the end of it. So you got to feel bad for, well, like last year, the Kelowna Rockets were supposed to host the Memorial Cup. They yep. lost out on that opportunity, which comes along about once every generation. Uh, Edmonton Oil Kings have had a powerhouse team for two years and will not get a chance to, to uh, win that Memorial Cup, which they would have been odds-on favorites to do maybe both years. Yep. And, and you got – I mean, look at – I mean, you know what it's like. How often does a guy – you age out. And, and all your teammates, you know, these stars age out around you and, and you don't get a chance to play for Memorial Cup. And for most players, even the best players in Canada, they play for a major junior team like Edmonton, who is maybe the best team in Canada right now. And of those 23 kids, maybe two will ever see a paycheck, yep. let alone be stars so you're the pinnacle of 99% of the kids hockey careers the pinnacle is playing in the in the WHL then the CHL someplace and playing for a memorial cup
2: yep. and you're being well, robbed of that chance because it's, of it's one of those things where i think covid has amplified it, the, the view of it but if you really look at it it's one of those things that creates the question And obviously, border and things like that come into play. But in general, it creates a question of, you know, which route do you take as a player? Do you take NCAA? Do you take Major Junior? Because I read, um, touched on it on last week's episode, the one just me, where I kind of recapped some things. And um, there was an interview and an article done um, regarding uh, Kale McCarr. By the way, did you miss me? I I I missed you terribly, yes. Uh, I can only imagine. Okay. An interview with Kale McCar's dad about Kale McCarr. Right. And um, on that very topic about the idea of choosing NCAA over Major Jr., because unless you are Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid, then when you age out at, at twenty that's yeah. your career's kind of, that's kind of it. Right. Unless you can catch on with a coast team, you know, or something like that, you're, that's kind of it. Yeah. Right. And uh, that's not to say again, that you have to be a Connor McDavid caliber to make it anywhere, no. but uh, obviously, but you get my point, you get to 20 years old and unless you've proven yourself as that type of player that can translate to the next step, i.e. McKinnon or, Max Domi or Mitch Marner or any of these guys, then at 20 years old, that's it. You're done. Whereas in the NCAA, you get four years. And whether, whether you started freshman at 18 or you started freshman at 22, you get four years to to play into your twenties, into this and that and and all that stuff. And that's the age old
1: argument, Evan. Uh, That's, that's what kids always have to decide. Uh, Those jobs are not, so easy to come by either no more than than a chl uh spot is but from a from a professional standpoint from the standpoint of the scouting staff from the standpoint of the parents and the kids now you could red shirt a guy uh, a guy could play actually have maybe five years eligibility in the ncaa now when you dra- when you take that kid as a free agent or if you drafted him in the fifth or sixth round way in his 18 year old year. Now you pick that kid up if he's undrafted or if he does, if he goes back into the draft, like Jimmy Vesey did, for example, drafted by Nashville. A couple of years later decided he didn't want to play there, wanted to play, uh, continue to play in the NCAA at Harvard. So he gives up the Nashville spot and he goes into the free agency market as a, as a university student picked up by the Rangers. He was a much sought after guy. And three or four years later, he's not done anything to speak of so far, but the point being you get the extra time. Now you, you could be undrafted at 18, which is very likely. And you could catch on someplace with an NCAA team because a lot of guys do whether in the CHL or the BC or the A or something like that, catch on in the NCAA. And at, at the age of 24, you're still, maybe you've got a year of eligibility still left. And at that point, you can sign. And look at a guy like Tyler Bozak did that, had a very successful career.
2: Exactly. You look at it through NCAA too on the basis of, of second chances almost. Right. So exactly. you did, um, and I really shouldn't bring this up unless I absolutely remember his name, but um, the young kid drafted. Um, washed by Washington in a later round, second round after going undrafted for a year or two before that. Um, Junior, junior player from Prince Albert, I believe. And um, now he, he got drafted in the second round, right? Yeah. But the NCAA and I'll look up his name here in a second so that we can at least put his name on here without forgetting. But um, in the NCAA, you can go, you can reach 18 go undrafted and either get a chance to be drafted later or be a college free agent. Right. Whereas in major junior, you're, you're aged out at 20. So either you luck out at getting a PTO or catching on in the coast or something like that, or that's kind of it. Yeah. So plus on top of that, the NCAA, you know, you're playing with older kids you know they're they're m- more developed muscular wise. You know they're all this stuff, so it's more of that big bodied game, and it's nothing against major junior that is top tier for a reason. But absolutely it's more that big bodied game where, you know, it's more becoming more enticing for Kent Johnsons and possibly Finn Williams and all these guys to say, I'm going the NCAA route. I appeased yeah. myself and my parents by getting an education. But I also I also get to play hockey and work toward that next step without having to worry, oh crap, my 20th birthday, that's it.
1: Right. Now I'm now I'm going to the coast or I'm going to Europe. And I'm going to beg for a job in the KHL or just try, like you said, to get a PTO somewhere. Now that so that opens up a lot more possibility for the later developing player, the the guy who is not. Uh, one of the kids who will be taken worldwide in the the first in, you know, seven rounds of the draft, but look what it does for the teams. Now I can look at kids who are are all of a sudden, these are 24, 25 year old men. These aren't teenagers anymore. They're not 17. And I got to try to figure out where this guy's going to project to at the end of his ELC and his first deal. So, now I'm looking at a fully developed guy. He's physically and mentally and emotionally mature. Now I'm not taking a big chance on this guy anymore. He's a pretty safe bet. He's either going to make it at that point, and I like what he does, or I realize he's 24 years old. He's still not anywhere close to what I can develop, so I, don't, I cut him loose. So that's a, that's a really, really good option and getting better because of the growth of the NCAA. Yeah.
2: Oh, and it goes both. It goes in all directions too. Um, this year, especially, um, BCHL is currently playing, right, in pods, but they're missing a lot of their top tier guys. A lot of their top tier players are in the USHL, right? Because right. USHL, the USHL has been playing a full season from yes. even even without fans, they've been playing a full season. Whereas the BCHL has been. Oh, we're we're pausing. Oh, we're waiting. Oh, we're this and that, and kids are kids will miss out otherwise, right? Yeah. So, like Finn Williams is a top tier guy and for the Penticton Beats, but he's not to the age where he has to necessarily panic and jump to a USHL. No, to not to get to get his name out there. One because he's already recruited by University of Michigan and Swift Current, but two because he's just not at that age yet. But yet your old, older guys in the BCHL this year are playing in the USHL. So a lot of those guys are not playing in the 21 BCHL season. Pod season right now because you know the USHL is the United States version of the CJHL, right? It's Junior A, it's that, you know, and all that stuff. Yes. And they've been playing the whole time. So
1: Who was the, uh, there was a kid, pretty highly ranked kid that is playing in the USHL that you and I saw in the BC Showcase. Uh, the name escapes me, but I'll, I'll find him. Um, anyway, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. That is, that is a way that, you know, irrespective of COVID, that's a, a way that everybody has to look at. Now, if you're, if you're good enough to have that option if you're good enough to be Finn Williams, or you're good enough to be uh, one of the Hughes boys, or somebody like that, and you have the option to say, "Well, let's see, should I choose the CHL or should I choose the NCAA? That's that's a lovely that's a lovely position to be in. Ninety-eight percent of the kids don't have that option. They take whatever is you know is offered to them. Right. So it's it's not it's not as easy. You know, we, we talk about choosing which way you want to go. It's not that simple. So the choices often more often than not, the choices get made for you. And then you have to figure out how to make the best of that. But when those choices are handed to you, there's a generally a reason for it. Scouts and recruiters are not in the business of purposely passing up a superstar in the making. They, they get paid uh, and their whole life revolves around finding the best guy and scrubbing out the single best players that they can find everywhere and not not missing out on these guys. So if they've overlooked you and you have to try to catch on someplace, uh, you have to try to play out your eligibility in the USHL or in the BC and then try to catch on the NCAA, there's a reason. You weren't... Everybody agreed that you weren't ready. You weren't one of those kids that goes in the first 200 in the NHL draft. So try to go off to college and make the best of it. And, and you know, hope for the best when you're 22 or 23. And, and keep working at it. And there's a lot of that to be done.
2: So, Brett, Brett Leeson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He went went two, I think, two straight years going undrafted until Washington finally took him in 2019, Brett Brett Leeson, yeah. Um, That's right. Good call. Yeah, he's... He worked his his butt off. He didn't pout after being not drafted, but he is... But it goes to show you, based on our conversation, of how close you can come to being kind of in no man's land (laughs) once you age out. Yeah. Right. So it you're, you're real close you either get drafted or you are in no man's land. Right. And then once you're in no man's land now it's either okay this team is either going to take a chance on me and bring me in for a tryout or I'm looking at selling insurance or something. So right. Right. it it creates it the age old discussion and there's no right or wrong way it it's the way you want to go the way you feel is best for you and your child and
0: whatever else but there's benefits, and it's it's one of the reasons why the NCAA is beginning to produce a high number of tremendously high quality NHL players. Well, sure. To the, and, to the, and there's a there's closing a,
2: there's a gap, closing the gap on those numbers with the, with major junior. So, and I and it's, to me, it's not an, an accident that that's happening. I think people are starting to realize the the benefits of. Uh, of it of that four year system, right, so you can either come out as a draft as a free agent co- college free agent, or you're drafted, you play two years or you play four years, but you get that time right so
1: absolutely and the, and there's been there have been people who have for a long time been critical of the eighteen year old draft that there's a there's a school of thought that that is just simply too young to be drafting a kid. Uh, You know, who just maybe just turned eighteen, and you're drafting him in the NHL. He's not, he's not good for you, and he's not good for himself at that age. He needs to figure out what he wants to do and what he's going to become, and and you need to figure that out as well.
2: Yep. So on that discussion, congrats real quick to UMass Amherst national championship NCAA. Absolutely, throw that out there. First national championship for their school. Um, They're up and coming and beginning to create quite the program um, which is only going to increase recruitment and things like that so they are a team and a school to be reckoned with up in up in the massachusetts area so congrats to them
1: it's nice to see a new club win that uh, it's just you know i know we we talked over the over the months and out of all the podcasts we've done and where we've touched on the ncaa We talk quite a lot about Boston College, Boston University, North Dakota, uh, you know, some of the teams that just are consistently dominant in there. And and now recently, Minnesota Duluth and and some of the other schools that it's really nice to see somebody, uh, somebody come along that, um, you know, good on them. First, first one and, uh, you know, puts a lot of interest and now you've got clubs growing all over the place in the last 10 years, the growth in the NCAA and in the next 10 years yeah. uh, awesome stuff. Absolutely. Awesome.
2: Yeah. And, you, and
1: as you said a bit ago, a really good option for the kids and for the teams and there's a reason for it. And they pack those buildings at night, yeah. uh, every Friday and Saturday.
2: And it's, it's a really good system. Uh, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Did you see uh, the other day while we're talking about it, um, I, see I can find it before I reference it incorrectly. Um, but a week or so ago, um, sir, he put up two touchdowns on Coquitlam. Oh golly, I did not see that. <laughs> Surrey beat Coquitlam thirteen to one. Oh, ouch! Oh man!
1: <laughs> so oh, how does that happen? Did they have um did they happen
2: to have Dave Riddick in goal at the time? <laughs> and the and the night prior, the night prior they put up 9 on Power River. So woo. Surrey is Surrey's playing some good hockey this year so far. <laughs> wow. And of course, I'm sure you can guess before we really look at it who who the team is that's uh, really struggling this year. <laughs> Is the one who is the victim of all this, uh, all the touchdowns? Merritt. Merritt's really struggling. Um, That's kind of a given. And Cranbrook, Cranbrook is not. Yeah, that's. Cranbrook is one and and nine. Now, again, Cranbrook's kind of a victim of uh, players choosing to go USHL amongst all the other things, right? You're a new new team. You're kind of, getting what you get in terms of an expansion thing or whatever else. And then on top of that, you any top players you might've had that were ready to age out, have now gone to the USHL to make sure they get plenty of time. So, and then you put them right into a a pod with Penticton and trail. (laughs) Right. Right. So now Penticton and trail are established and dominant and they're going to make you look a little silly. So Um, but it's, it's not too bad so far. Um, Penticton is the cream of the crop with 18 points, not nine and one record. And then, uh, Chilliwack, they're always at near the top seven and three. Yeah. Well,
1: when we saw them, they, um, they had so many good 16, 17 year old kids in Chilliwack. They were just, they were built for the future and now it is, it is the future, but,
2: Surrey's playing well. They're, they're near the top, and so is Victoria. So, um,
1: It's nice. It, yeah, I, know, I know not everybody is a big fan of it, but I love to see the parity. I, I like to see the, the reason being, yes, we all like the hometown V's, and, and that's all fun and games, but the league only survives when you've got stable ownership and stable ownership only survives in junior hockey with stable community involvement in that season ticket sales and corporate sponsors. And if you stink year after year after year, it is increasingly difficult for communities to stay behind you with ticket sales, and, and which takes along with it parking and, and concessions and then getting corporate sponsors. Corporate sponsors only coming along if you've got a bunch of excited people in the building every night, and if you've got three hundred people sitting on their hands, who wants to pour a bunch of sponsorship into that? So it's a cycle that you that really feeds off of success, and you can suffer through it for two or three years at a time while you rebuild. But if you put five, six, seven years of futility back to back. Gosh, ownership just gets put under so much pressure to continually pour money into a black hole. Um, yeah. I, I feel bad for him. We know we know that all too well about how that can how that can affect a, a league and a franchise.
2: Yeah, but you, so you like you like that? Then the
0: division play and stuff that we're seeing in in the NHL and stuff like that. You.
1: I do. I think it's you know at least temporarily it's good for the game
0: because Would you want to see the division stay that way
2: moving
1: forward. I, I don't think that's a sustainable way to make it happen because I think you you in in the long term you certainly have to play everybody.
2: I mean, how? Well, how I, I, years... I don't mean I don't mean stay only in your division for play. I just mean keep the divisions where they are. Oh, so even only Canada only division keep which people want, there's some push for it. Um, Keep the divisions where they are in terms of, you know, where the teams fit into a division, not necessarily only playing in the division because that's ridiculous. You got to, you got to branch out, but being in the division you're in. I, I really like
1: every, you know, I think everybody likes the divisions everybody likes the rivalries, the players like it, the fans like it. The problem with it is that it's taken them, but my entire life since expansion in 1967, it's taken till now before the COVID issue to get to a manageable travel schedule. And the idea being you want to eliminate as much time zone crossing as you can. Like it's, it's not that far from I don't know, let's say Detroit to Colorado. But so it's a two and a half hour flight, but you're crossing two time zones. When you get out of a game in Colorado at 1030, 11 o'clock at night, when you finally get on the bus and go to the airport, you're getting in, you're getting back into Detroit at four in the morning, five in the morning. And that's what everybody wanted to avoid is traveling North and South is easy. Traveling East and West is not. Unfortunately, With a Canadian division, which is a mountain of fun, it's it's a really it's onerous on travel schedule, which is what everybody really really wanted to get away from. And and again, that puts us right back where the advantages are in playing in like the New Jersey Devils. You'd never know it by their record, but they're a bus ride to Philadelphia, the Rangers, the Islanders. Uh, They're not that far from Boston. I mean, or Washington, like they're they could play their entire season with a two and a half hour bus ride.
2: Do you think the solution is to then take some take the Canadian teams and slot them into division to to the other divisions to help?
1: Unfortunately, I I think you have to go back to that model. You have to go back to the model where you're you're playing in more of a of a longitudinal yeah centric world where you know you might you might be flying from you know like i said detroit instead of going to colorado detroit to miami but that's easier on you because you're staying in the eastern time zone
2: yeah yeah
1: just you know there's no there's no exactly right way to get it done but I think that's the most practical thing, and that's what everybody was pushing for for the last 25 years: is to get away from that travel. Because the teams like the Vancouver Canucks, the L.A. Kings, people like that, until expansion really took hold in the Western Hemisphere or the Western part of the of the uh, continent, you got you know Edmonton and L.A. and people like that. He just got absolutely hooped when it came to the the number of air miles. The Winnipeg Jets. Flew more miles in a month than the Devils did an entire season. Yeah. So it's more fair this way.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Do you – we
0: kind of touched on it before, but um, what's the take on how we see playoffs this year, given that the first two rounds of the playoffs are going to be –
2: against teams you've already played 12 or so times in the regular season. Does that, does that help the, the kind of shittery, you know, the kind of, you know, aggressiveness and the passion, the, and the typical stuff, does it hurt it or is, are we overthinking it given that the playoffs are the playoffs and it's going to be what, playoffs are anyway boy wouldn't i love to have the answer to that um because part of me thinks it part of me wonders the kind of enthusiasm and passion that teams are going to bring in the playoffs playing playing vegas who they've seen 10 times already and yeah they've dropped the gloves and they've had some moments but at the end of the day like all right, we've seen you 10 times, we've, you, me and Ryan Reeves have already solved our, our stuff here, like, all right, you know, or does it just amp it up?
1: I, <clears throat> well, for the first two rounds, it amps it up. It, there's There's no way around it. Now, guys will behave themselves a little bit more because you – you really don't want to start taking penalties against some of the teams, you know, with great power play like Edmonton or somebody like that. You just got to stay out of the box. And that is, as we talk about sometimes on here, that's the best, that's the best defense against, against Goonery. That's the the best defense against a guy like, uh, like a Tom Wilson taking runs at you is, you know, going on the power play and scoring twice while he's in the box for five minutes. So that's, that's going to slow down because you can't do that in a seven game series and get away with it for long. But uh, it's still, because there's going to be so much residual hatred when the regular season's over, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really close to the surface to, uh, to get that, you know, to get that kind of adrenaline out of the game. That's just going to be real difficult.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I can see it. Uh, with respect to all of this, like, I don't know, man, uh, the draft, we're talking about the draft and the NCAA and, and the CHL being shut down and things like that. This is, uh, this is an oddball year. This is a really, really difficult year for anybody to. How do how do you start? You've got probably 15 kids that maybe the top half of the first round that everybody knows are pretty clear-cut good players, uh, Zach Bolduck and guys like that, Matt Beneers. But beyond that, there are kids who will not get drafted who will be everyday NHLers, and there will be kids that are taken in the fifth or sixth round that will become everyday NHLers because – They may have not played a whole lot of games in a year and a half. So nobody's seen them play. They haven't played a lot of meaningful games. They haven't played a lot of volume games. Some of them have played zero. If you're in the OHL, you may have not played any games yet. And it's your draft year. So there's going to be some good players get passed on. There's going to be some washouts that'll be taken in the second or third round. And you know, you you're just throwing darts trying to figure out who's who because nobody's there. There are so many hundreds of kids, at least in North America that have not played uh, the kind of meaningful hockey that you really want to see them play. And if they have, you haven't been allowed in. Yeah. So think of that. These kids are playing someplace in a bubble in the queue or the, or the dub or the BC and they may or may not be allowing scouts in there Well, you can watch TV all you want. You don't know what a kid's made of until you see him on and off the ice and can interview him and spend time with his billet and his parents and see what he's really made of all the time. How does he, how does he handle defeats? That's not on television. Yeah. So it's a,
2: whew. one thing we was- haven't discussed in depth much um, yet, and maybe we should maybe next week or something, but um, is, the effects of COVID and shortened season and less eyeballs on prospects and all these things kind of around the expansion draft. Yeah. Seattle, like it or not, one way or the other, Seattle is coming into the league this summer. So this summer here, and it's almost May, here in the next eight weeks, eight, 10, maybe 12 weeks, Seattle is going to pick their team. Yep. They are going to unveil all this. And then they're going to be a participant in the entry draft and all this stuff. And there's things that we ha- have yet to fully in-depth discuss on the effects of COVID and the flat cap and the trades at the trade deadline. and all these things that have gone on or will go on or trades that might happen at the draft that might affect things or whatever else. And can I make a production decision? We're, we're about
1: the end of our rope as far as the NC2A is over. Yep. The major junior is grinding to a halt and, and what there is of it is almost over the the playoffs are yet to be determined that's going to take us another month and a lot of those the four teams in each of the four divisions are more and more set every day uh we probably should look more seriously at the Seattle expansion draft and how that's affected especially by the cap and and by COVID that's going to take some time so let's
2: do a it is going to take time because we also will have to look at two um because of all that information, how and who do teams protect? You know, right. You know, Colorado, for example, trading for Devin Dubnik. Devin Dubnik has a no-move clause. No-move clauses are automatically protected. Yeah. You, know, you would think you'd want to protect Grubauer, correct? So, especially the way he's been playing. So, you'd think – at least to have him as part of your two goalie tandem anyway, that you'd want to re-sign Grubauer to some sort of extension and protect him as your one goalie. Did Sackick trade for Dubnik under the under the agreement with Dubnik that at the end of the day, come in, join us, push for a cup, but at the end of the day wave your no move clause, we don't protect you, here you go, and we move on? Like how how does it how did it all work? How does it all work? Who goes protected, unprotected? How you know this and that? Do we see Seattle playing that trade peace game the way Vegas did? On ooh, I'll I'll leave that guy alone if you give me this, you know, type of thing. So there's plenty kind of to discuss here. Yeah, it might take more than one episode um, on on everything uh, regarding Seattle because they are. They are, they are coming in here and they're coming in fast. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah. And, it, you know, some of those questions are fairly easily answered. Like if they don't take advantage of that, I'll leave your guy alone for a second round pick, or I'll leave this guy alone if you give me this prospect out of your AHL squad. If they don't do that, shame on them, because that's the way that everybody gets around expansion draft, you know, the the juggling there's no other way to do it so they should they certainly should uh boy that's going to be an interesting one though because the flat cap does change a lot of that stuff you just can't do what vegas did because the money isn't there but yeah they're sure set up to so to uh succeed and at this point they're what they're guaranteed a top six pick in the draft is that where they are top
2: six pick in the entry draft as well as um one team one player from each of the other teams except for vegas and don't get me started on vegas yeah right from all that but um nonetheless um one player uh from each team except for vegas and then a a top, I believe, six pick in the entry draft. So, yeah,
1: I think I believe they are top six,
2: five or six, and uh,
1: <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be interesting. They're, it's in a great place though. But, but as we mentioned a long time ago, one of our early episodes, you pay three quarters of a billion dollars for the franchise fee, and then start to staff it and put infrastructure in it. Uh, you should get the opportunity to not suck for the first 10 years, which is what used to happen and why there was so much turmoil in expansion teams. There, ownership turmoil, like take Tampa Bay and some of the places in Florida, Phoenix, these, they just turned over owners faster than they turned over players so, and it wasn't, that's not healthy for the league. And yes, I think this, the odds have been stacked for Vegas, but they sure paid for the right to have the odds stacked.
2: Well, hundred percent. I mean, be- Vegas continues to be there because they continue to play well and everything like that. So good. Right. on them. Um, From a personal perspective about, <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's kind of frustrating when you read um, r- rumors and reports of free agent signings or trades and Vegas is the team in on everybody. Yeah, I know. Literally everybody, from Petrangelo to, I mean, pick a guy. Taylor Hall to, I mean, name a guy, anybody, and Vegas is in on that guy, no (laughs) matter their cap situation, no matter anything like that, we want that guy. And it it creates a baffling situation to where if you don't do the research to look at the numbers, you kind of wonder, how can they afford to do it? Kind of like our discussion of Tampa. You know, and then, and then, you look at the numbers. You're like, okay, I kind of get it, but it's just like they're in on everybody, right? They really, yeah. they really want to win, I guess. But they, they're in on literally everybody. And I even said it to myself yesterday, for, as a personally, as an Avalanche fan, going, depending on how long it takes for Colorado to sign Landeskog to an extension, and they will, ex- they will sign him. There's no way Landeskog goes anywhere else. I wouldn't think so. I don't. I don't believe so. No. Um, anything's possible. I don't believe so, though. But I said to myself, in that time, though, I guarantee you, Vegas will be in on Landiscar. Like it's. It. Vegas is in on everybody, so it, it gets from a personal perspective. It gets kind of frustrating that they are literally in. You cannot read a report or hear Bob McKenzie speak or do anything like that without oh Vegas Vegas Vegas. So is yeah it can be kind of frustrating, but well they, they can afford to do it and they've got the ability to do it and they got the ability to compete and they get the ability to do this and that, then why wouldn't, hey, it, why wouldn't you, I guess, but it's just kind of. It's it,
1: yeah. It's, it's not altogether Right. So I'll just play devil's advocate for a minute. Yes. It's not, it, it's seems unfair that Vegas is not, uh is not, having to put a player into the expansion draft. And yes, they are on the radar to pick up every free agent and prospect that's available. I get that, but they're playing within the CBA and within the league rules. At the same time, and they have lots of money, because they printed a lot of money with ticket sales and merchandise sales and everything else, and those street parties that they have every night, they, they make a mountain of money, and they spent a lot, so good on them. It's a free market world. At the same time, someone who is not in on basically anyone, Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes. So, gee, that doesn't seem fair. But the Coyotes and the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes, a lot of these franchises have been propped up with league revenue sharing for the last 20 years. So what's fair and what's not fair? And I don't really, I don't care much for either system where a team like Chicago or Vegas or Toronto or the Rangers or somebody who has a lot of dough can LTIR and play games with with buying and selling contracts and, and waiver wires and things like that to juggle the salary cap and get things done to so they can spend beyond the 81 million bucks. But so as much as I think, gee, that's really unfair for some of these big market teams, it's not fair that you, you get to make a ton of dough. And every year I got to write a check for $35 million to Phoenix because they can't make a living there. Yeah. Neither one of
2: those are right. I agree. It's, it's a 50, 50 thing a little bit, but you know, if, they're within the league rules and they're, they make it work and whatever, then I guess, you know, there's a reason why Vegas is still there every year competing. Yeah. And whereas, you know, up until this year anyway, and Florida has been a, a surprise for the league with how well they're playing, but yeah. so far so up, they to this, up to this year, anyway, Florida and Arizona and these teams who don't do those things, well, they're left in the dust and they're left in the dust for a reason. So, I guess you kind of do have to be involved in the process of all this stuff in some capacity to keep up and, and everything. And, you know, what Vegas Vegas just does it to kind of the extreme where they're everybody. Um, But if you're not involved in at least in some aspect on some free agents or some this or that, you know, or some trade discussion or some, whatever, then you're going to get left behind. So I, Personally, yeah. it's frustrating to hear Vegas, 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 but it's, you know, they make it work for a reason. So it is what it is,
1: but yeah. And you can't, you can't make your fans happy because they're either mad because you made a deal and got rid of this guy, or what did you bring this character in for? Or they're mad because you sat there like, you know, Bob Murray in Anaheim and did nothing for the last three or four years.
2: So yeah. But circling back, um, we'll touch real quick on uh, the top ten prospects for Bob McKenzie here um, in his draft rankings. And then uh, we can kind of finish up, close things out for this week. But uh, Bob McKenzie's top ten, I don't know if you have it up for yourself. but I do not. I've,
1: I've, been, I've been monitoring
2: because you can't actually go see guys. I've been yep. looking
1: at central scouting a little bit um uh, bob mckenzie does a great job and he's got a lot of good information from very inside but keep in mind that his information basically comes from polling nhl scouts yep. so he'll take a poll of scouts and and compile mathematically compile a list of who they think is first second third and on down uh, and then he'll come up with his list that way central scouting generally actually lays eyeballs on the kid over and over for the most part
2: Yeah, for the most part, but for at least this week, we'll um, since I have it up, we'll at least touch on um, because no matter how he does it, Bob McKenzie is a pretty intelligent guy. So um, touch on that. Uh, His just through the top 10, we obviously won't go through everybody, but uh, his 10th ranked prospect is Jesper Wallstedt from the Swedish elite league. Um, Chaz Lucius, if I'm saying the last name right, is number you nine. Uh, he is uh, from the USA uh, U18 team in the USHL. Then you get Kent Johnson, our former trail smoke eater. Uh, we know. Yep. Uh, number eight. He's, Bob has him at number eight uh, from Michigan. Uh, William Eklund at number seven uh, from the Swedish Elite League. Brant Clark from Slovakia. Out of the dub, he's, uh, well, he's a dub guy. And here's an
1: example: here's a dub guy who went to play in Slovakia. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a Western Hockey League boy, but he's playing in Slovakia because of the expanded schedule and, and fewer restrictions.
2: Yep, absolutely. Uh, the third Hughes brother, Luke Hughes, at number five. Yeah, uh, he's the he towers over the others. He's six two. <laughs> he's six foot two, and Quinn and and. Is much shorter than that. So, yeah. Quinn and Jack are much shorter. Um, we'll see if size helps him in terms of being the better of the two, the three Hughes brothers. But, um, number four, Matt Beneers from Michigan. I like this guy.
1: High energy guy. Yeah. Very um, high energy guy. Don't know if he, don't know about his skill set, but
2: yeah, go ahead. Simon Edmondson is. Listed a third, but he's uh, Bob has him tied for second. Um, the beat, man. For, for Lunda from the Swedish Elite League. Yeah. Um, Dylan Genther uh, from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Yep. He's listed number two. And then Owen Power listed number one from Michigan.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you what. You you list off these guys, and this is a draft where, as our loyal listener uh, asked us about drafting for position or best available, this is one of those drafts where I even right at the very first pick, you may be you may see guys drafting for position because there's not that wide distinction between a McDavid or a Lafreniere or or somebody like that. So you're not you're not going to miss out on somebody if you don't if for example you didn't take Owen Power because you're long on defense in the pipeline so this may be one of the first times that you'll see guys actually drafting for position instead of best available at the very top yeah so yeah uh, here's a there's you know as as i said before there's a lot of there's a lot of unknown there's more unknown than known in this draft because guys haven't been playing that much
2: right
1: so it's it's uh it's a huge it's a huge question and nobody knows how the answer to it you're just going to have to do you know everything you can with it which is not much so you're going to see guys for the, for the first time in my lifetime Pay attention to the guys from your – when your team goes to the draft, pay attention to who they're getting in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. Mm -hmm. Seventh round. So watch those guys because there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some guys taken out of there that if you're only watching the top of the draft, you're going to say, where did this kid come from? And you're gonna say back in 21, we, we took him in the sixth round, and now he's our number one center iceman. So just that's the kind of draft this is. It's not that there isn't somebody out there who's better than everybody else, but we just don't, we're not sure who it is. Yeah. So here's a here's a couple of things. Uh one on a personal note for you. Write this name down. There's a kid named Zach LaRue from uh from Halifax. Yeah. And he has, if he is good enough to make the show, um, about the time Brad Marchand retires, this kid's going to take over. So, just take that for what that's worth. He's that kind of a player. He's a good player. He's not a great player, but neither was Marchand at this at this point in his career. Everybody's going, what are they what are they taking this kid? And he's turned out to be a perennial forty goal scorer and a big pain in the neck. So this kid's name is Zach LaRue. There's uh, there's a goaltender to watch uh, named Cosa, C-O-S-S-A, from, uh, from Edmonton, who will be an interesting take on whether or not he goes high or as typically, he goes down uh, further in the draft. There's a whole bunch of little brothers coming out in this draft. Uh, and we'll be watching where Finn Williams goes. But um, Kirby Dack's little brother in Saskatoon is up. Peyton Krebs' little brother in Medicine Hat. Caden Korzak's brother in Moose
2: Jaw. Now, Here's uh, something I haven't kept up on, is, and shame on me for not. But is Finn Williams in the, up for this draft? He
1: is. he is. He is eligible in this year's draft and he's um he's one to watch because that's you know who knows where he goes in the draft may actually affect where he goes to develop because certainly you know if he's who knows who takes him, but this team takes him and they go, well, "We really want you to play NCAA for two years, or we think you're going to be ready sooner, so go play a year in the in uh, in the WHL." Uh, you know, so there's going to be there's going to be a lot of input to that decision. If he's not already made that call on his own, his draft team is going to have a lot of input on it as to where uh, he, they is, he's, he is
2: 18. Um, now, here's the question, though. Now, this for us, because we don't know him personally, it's major, major speculation. Uh, we've seen him play. Um, is he is he that next level type player? you see him being that next level type player um, because oh, at 18 because in the end, per our discussion of ncaa or major junior he's 18 years old right he's just getting ready to leave the bchl after this year so no matter what he does he he's commit he's it says here on elite prospects here elite hockey prospects here that he is committed for the NCAA season next year, 21, 22. So he's going to, he's going to Michigan and he's Michigan. Now, yeah. um, now whether that means he's committed there and that's where he's going, I don't know. But the point being, it, do we, we see him as a next level type player to where a season or two in the dub will be enough for him? If, if that's the case, for Swift, Swift Current, by the way, who in the past three seasons combined has maybe 12 wins, right. right? So a season or two in the dub, is that quality enough development right there for Finn Williams to take the next step right into the NHL? Depending, again, depending on where he's listed for drafting and whatever else. Or do, does he go Michigan, who's, who's now back in a top-tier university program Right, they're now one of the favorites ever. You know, oh, as they like should that. be. And depending on how quickly Kent Johnson moves on, and Power, together, and Owen Power, you might see Finn Williams as at least for one season as a teammate of Kent Johnson and Owen Power at Michigan. And oh my gosh, they're national champ favorites at that point. They in are. my opinion, of course they are. So again, well, not to repeat myself three or four times, but. So the what kind of player can we see him?
1: Since we haven't seen him since we, he was 16, and we saw him play a lot that first fall when he was 16 years old. I would say based on that, yes, he was a standout amongst the 18, 19-year-olds when he was 16. So yeah. I'd have to say yes. Now, as we know, with guys like Sean Day and players like that, he may have peaked at 16, for all I know, because I haven't seen the poor kid play in two years. Yep. It's I mean, different he's been,
2: to see him in person, but I also yeah. don't see him on the stat line a lot for Penticton.
1: I'll tell you, I'll tell you the short answer to that question. If he, is, if he is thought of highly enough to go up high in the draft, then, he, then that's going to affect his decision. Do, does he is he going to develop quicker in in Michigan or is he going to develop quicker in Swift Current? If he goes into the middle of the draft in the third or fourth round, I think that will affect his decision. If he's in the middle of the draft, frankly, I would say spend two or three years at Michigan and and come out as a twenty one or twenty two year old ready to ready to step right into an everyday role. If he goes high in the draft and somebody. Somebody that really needs help, say a, a Buffalo in New Jersey, a Anaheim, somebody like that, takes him to Detroit. I'd say go to Swift Current, and maybe you only need a year or two. Yep. And, and again, it's not just where you go in the draft, but to whom. Because yep. a guy like Steve Iserman, is going to let you percolate the minor leagues or wherever you're playing it to develop. He's going to he's going to have a lot more patience as is Bob Murray in Anaheim. They're going to have a lot more patience with guys than. Some of the more aggressive GMs, you know, and I can't name them necessarily, maybe Stan Bowman or, or uh, Jim Rutherford or somebody like that is more aggressive. And they're going to try to bring a kid in at 18 or 19 or 20, where somebody like Iserman or Kenny Holland would just leave you sit in the <laughs> AHL or wherever you're developing in Sweden or something, leave you there.
2: Yeah. So that's it the reason I ask, because there's factors into what, what kind of player he, he could be or, or might be or will be. Um, Compared to the development he still needs, so at 18 years old, does he go for a year or two at Swift Current, major junior, age out at 20, and then we get to the discussion we were having of okay, now he's either a top prospect guy going into his his NHL organization, whether it be the AHL or not, or he's kind of going, well, what do I, do I? I need a PTO, or he goes NCAA at Michigan, gets. Two years, maybe three, depending, and gets gets the weight room gets you know all this stuff, and really you know gets three more years of development so it, it it's to me it, and again there is who who drafts him and where what round all that stuff um, where does swift current see him slotting how does Michigan see him fitting all this stuff so there's a lot of factors but it's a a question I wanted to put out there for us to at least ponder because it, it's um, a prime example of the discussion we were having. So stop me.
1: If this sounds familiar, uh, by the way, he's listed at six feet and 190. Yeah. So he's got some development already. Uh, but if, if this is my, if I'm his agent or his advisor, it always comes down to the math. If I think I can jump into the AHL, I can spend one season in Swift Current, jump into the AHL at 20, and maybe fast track myself into, the, into my entry-level deal, at least a two-way deal, at the age of 21, I'm probably going to go to major junior. If my, discu- my agent and my discussions with the team that drafts me indicate that they don't have a spot for me looking at their pipeline or nor do they think I'm going to be ready to take a spot unless I really surprise they're figuring on me 2 or 3 years down the road and I probably go to Michigan but I'm I'm going to take whichever direction gets me to my paycheck quickest maybe that's oversimplifying maybe that's not the right way to go but that's just me so I scouting with a scouting with a tape measure and making those decisions with a calculator. That's just the way.
2: I'm sure. a Simple man. You come at it from a simplicity of a, a scouting and money perspective and that's not wrong. You also have to look at it from, um, an enjoyment of the game too. Right. Um, right. Not that you can't enjoy it playing major junior, but there's a, there's a factor playing for your school. Right. That pride, the student section—you're playing for your school and and all this stuff—and especially at a place like Michigan, who aside from the football team, Michigan hockey team is the cream of the crop at that big, university. big deal. Yep, it's a big deal at the university, right? So, you know, you're you're a rock star on that campus, and so right. you know, there's that factor too, right? So, and and your fan—not an insignificant factor either. You so you know, it's the camaraderie with, with campus life and the brotherhood with the teammates and being rock stars on campus and the right. passion of the student section, which, and we've been to plen- plenty of Rockets games and things. And I get that, you know, each major junior team is going to be different with how they present themselves, but we go to Rockets games and the crowd kind of sits there the way they do in an NHL game. There's not a whole lot of hooting and hollering and there's not a whole lot of this and that they just kind of watch the play and there you go whereas you know campus life you know you got beers in your hand and you're you're banging the glass and hooting and hollering and oh my gosh and then the next day you scored the game winner in overtime against Michigan State if we're using Michigan as an example your state rivals and you walk into you're walking down campus and they're like oh my god Kent Johnson, heck of a goal last night, man. And you know what I mean? Like there's a rock. So
1: well, and there you'll hear again, one of many, many, many factors that you have to put into play when you make this decision. And, and please, anybody listening that has skin in this game, I am not throwing rocks at the community of Swift Current by any means. But when you look at the overall situation, as you pointed out, I play in Michigan school has an enrollment of like 60,000 people or I play in Swift current, which is the better environment for me to develop in, which is the more fun environment. When I'm, when I finally hang my skates up at 37, what am I going to look back on more fondly two years, getting my brains beat out in Swift current or being the BMOC in Michigan, you know, and, and I'm not saying one way or the other, I'm just saying these are all things that every kid And every parent and every advisor or agent has to take into account, along with the player development people and the GMs that draft them is where you think and who are you playing for? If you were were playing for Kelly McCrimmon years ago in Brandon, that's a great place to develop. You're playing for Fred Harbinson in Penticton, one of the best places you could ever pick to develop you know, the college coaches have the same kind of reputation. So all of these things go into it. And Finn Williams is a good example because he's got the option to take whichever way he wants and whichever way his, his immediate circle of, of, uh, support directs him to go. So extremely valid questions and something that every kid has to face.
2: Agreed. So, um, and I, I don't know if it's, if this is anything, um, but you uh i i I look at word choice when people speak a little bit right sure Sure. um and obviously obviously you can pull and you can change but in in reading what i'm reading here it says he had he is that finn williams is committed for next season at michigan now whether that means whether that means he won't change his mind, I'm not gonna say that, anything can happen, but based on the word committed, makes me think he's already signed that letter of intent and he is going to Michigan. Now, who, well. who knows what happens? Obviously, anything can change. You know, It's not obviously set in stone. We've heard and seen people pull their letters all the time, but, sure. but at least as of, as of our, us speaking right now, Looking at the word choice here, it says he is committed to play at Michigan next season.
1: Well, and that's so, and I don't doubt that. That's what, that's the information that we have, and that's probably what he, where he stands as of today. Another thing that now all of a sudden kids and everybody, all their handlers and all their interested parties have to take into account is what is the COVID situation? What are we planning to do as far as the season goes? Who knew a year ago that we would still be in this quagmire of nowhere that people are still floundering around with this dumb virus thing what are we gonna, where am i going to be able to actually play where, where am i actually going to be able to develop and train off ice the best and we have the best access to everything i need as a developing player who only gets one shot at it yep where's my best opportunity? And then, as of right now,
2: major junior is not that doesn't with, appear to be with the seasons being shut down or this or yeah. that. Whereas kind of like the USHL, the NCAA, at least in bubble form, they play their season, right? Fans are no fans, you know, bubble form or not kind of like the BCHL is right now. They at least still play, have a season. They at least still play. They, the kids still get on the ice. They, they still compete for a national championship. They still do these things. Yep. You know, and so, you're seeing that. In so the, part, in you're absolutely part. right. So based, based on our development discussion, as of this very moment, I would say Michigan would be Finn Williams' best bet. Odds on. Correct. Um, for development. So, with respect
1: to, uh, and let's, let's do devote some time coming up in the next two or three sessions, uh, let's devote some time to circling back on that whole expansion draft idea and, and how that's supposed to shape up. And, and we'll start to see who is, you know, before long we'll start to see who is likely to be left un- unprotected and who can be based on their contract and all the different rules
2: that apply. If I, correctly, it's, if I remember correctly, it's first and second year players that are exempt from having to be protected because they're automatically protected based on being first or second year players. And then it's no, no movement clauses and um, LTI i believe LTIRs. Are, I nope. can't remember if they're untouched or not. Um, but I do. But in general, I know that no movement clauses and first year players. No. And are okay. are not to be touched um but beyond really? that i know it's i think it's eight total skaters or seven forwards 3d and a goalie if, right. I remember, if i remember the numbers correctly on what who and what you can protect so but. i think you're right and so i will I'll have
1: to touch on uh, it dig we get into that a little
2: touch on that in the coming weeks um and everything oh, listen as a uh as a Public service to our loyal
1: listeners, figure out how to watch the U18 tournament next year. Next week. Starts the 26th, okay. so that should start, I believe it starts Monday, Sunday or Monday. Um, U18 tournament taking place in uh, Frisco, Texas. It will be the only meaningful time. You'll get to see a whole lot of kids under 18 that will be coming up. In the in future drafts, whether it's this year or next year, and but keep in mind as you watch that it's going to be a tremendously uh, competitive brand of hockey, and guys are going to be playing for their lives, but and for their countries. But also, uh, there's going to be a lot more players available this year because of leagues that have been shut down. Yeah. And uh, remember too that you're going to be. I wouldn't say the word is rent. And them, but you're going to be seeing a couple of hundred of the best kids around. But there's going to be two or three hundred of the best players under 18 in the world that will not be there just because nobody knows who they are because their their junior their developmental teams have may or may not have been playing wherever they are around the world and it's all different. So, but it's the best shot we have. It's the best shot they have. So watch the, watch the U18s next, uh, next week. It starts uh, April 26th. Yep. Sounds good. I don't know when this drops. When does this drop? Because it, it might be half over by the time it gets to air.
2: Uh, this will drop. As of, as of us recording now, this will drop. Oh, cool. Okay. So we'll have,
1: we get plenty of time. And if you don't hear this in time to watch the U18s, shame on you. What are you doing? <laughs> You got to catch these things when it's when the time is right.
2: We've been, we've been doing this now for 80 some plus episodes. If nobody wants to, if nobody really takes our word for things at this point, then and are I, they, I, are they lost causes <laughs> in terms of hockey? Are they lost hockey causes in terms some of people
1: just Evan? You, they just have to learn things the hard way. Yes. Ignore us at your own peril, hockey fans. That's all there is to it. Well, hey, great episode. Good talking with you. Thanks Yeah, appreciate
2: me on. you joining on Zoom. Hopefully, we'll be in some form or another in person in studio here at some it point. Won't be long. Hopefully, it, and, it uh, won't be long, buddy. So, we'll, uh, I'll be sure to hit the outro myself here for us, and then we'll uh, we'll uh, see see you next week for you a got it. for a good. Hey expansion draft discussion so
1: yeah awesome hey thanks for having me on good talking with you